Welcome to 28 Dales Later, a podcast celebrating the landscape and heritage of Northern England. We're very pleased to introduce our guest presenters, Rob and Harriet Fraser, with episode 8, The Curlew Chronicles. April the 11th, 2020. The air carries a sprinkling of rain and there's barely any breeze. The high trickling melody of larks blends with the gawky squabbling of rooks coming from the sycamores at the top of the lane. Lambs bleat as a farmer drives through their field and there's the occasional sound of a car passing. All of a sudden, the air fills with the urgent and rising bubbling calls of curlews. Our eyes are drawn towards the sound and not far from the dry stone wall where the field rises, there they are, two curlews and a buzzard. This is their alarm call, and they're doing their best to shake off the predator. Behind us, another curlew joins the defence, and we're caught within the surround sound of these remarkable birds. Hello, we're Robin Harriet Fraser. We're environmental artists, and we live in the small hamlet of New Hutton, which is about four miles to the east of Kendall. Thank you to 28 Dales Later for asking us to contribute a podcast to their series. We've called it Curlew Chronicles. I'm going to take you on a journey of time rather than space over the last four months of us watching and hoping about these iconic wader birds which are on our doorstep. These birds with their incredible scimitar-like beaks are Eurasian curlews and they're Europe's largest wading birds. They seem to be quite familiar for a lot of people up in this part of the country. But the problem is we hear them year after year after year but that doesn't mean they're surviving. There's been a really dramatic drop in their numbers, um, as much as 65% since the 1970s. And actually, they're at risk of extinction. The adult birds can live for longer than 30 years, and each year they can try to rear young, but um, there is a strong suggestion that they're failing, and there's a big concern that their numbers might collapse. Their decline is thought to be due to a number of factors, Curlews winter on the coast in estuaries and and mudflats and then in the spring they make their way to their breeding grounds in the uplands like where we live. And this is where there's a big problem with predation, foxes, badgers and crows and gulls which are on the increase and also with farming practices which have changed over the last 50 years allowing farmers to cut their grass a lot earlier every season and maybe two or three times. The eggs need to be incubated for 28 days and then when they're hatched, the little birds can't fly for five weeks. So they're very vulnerable on the ground. So to have them on our doorstep is both wonderful and incredibly nerve-wracking. Right at the start of lockdown, we got an email out of the blue uh, from a farmer called James Robinson who farms at Strictly, which is about a mile and a half down the road from us. He's also got some land in some fields not not far away from us to the north. And he'd heard that curlews were were playing about in those fields. He was wondering if we'd take some time to actually go and observe the curlews to find out whether they were nesting or not. And in that way, he could then do something with his farming practice to, to try and help the birds. That was it. We were sold and we were off. And the very next morning we were there in the field watching and learning. So for the next few weeks we were out every morning. We got up really early. Some days we were out in the fields at about five o'clock. It was cold back then, um, quite frosty some mornings. And we got to know the ways of the woodpeckers, the skylarks. We saw the flowers coming. We observed the rooks. But most of all we wanted to watch the curlews. And we saw their behaviour change over the coming weeks. 
we also felt it necessary to learn a lot more about curlews. We've been talking to people along the, the breadth of England and Scotland, and in particular, um, a huge inspiration for us has been Mary Colwell. She has written a very beautiful and very authoritative book on, on the birds called Curly Moon in 2018. I'm just going to read a few short sections uh, from her book. That bill is the most recognisable feature. It is unmissable. Three times the length of the head, up to 15 centimetres long in females, though slightly shorter in males, and curving gently downwards. It is both elegant and surprising. The curve is there for a reason. Curlers can probe deep into sediment and explore the complex tunnels and pathways made by buried worms and the shellfish far more easily than a straight bill would allow. A curlew's bill may be the feature that catches our eye, but when it opens and starts broadcasting, it is the sound that captures our soul. That's what Mary had to say about the bird. And she's not the only one who is completely captured by these birds. We started putting out messages on social media and pictures and it's incredible how many people are so deeply moved by the curlew. It's, it's very symbolic. And Mary also put us on the track of speaking to some experts in the field, including David Evans, and he told us what to look out for, what kind of habits the birds had, what kind of clues they might give to help us find the nest uh, and help us help them, essentially. And most of our conversations were quite funny, actually, because there's not an awful lot known about curlew. Uh, research is relatively recent and there's nothing you can say for sure because they might appear to be nesting, but they're not. Uh, they might appear to be mating, but they're not. And you can go into the fields day after day after day and you could even stand within two feet of a nest and not know it's there. It's so difficult to find. So, so we were on this track to try and find a nest um, and if we found it, James was very willing to put off the cut of the grass in that field. He has a, a system that means that he could have let that field go if he wanted to and leave the birds as undisturbed as possible. So we felt it was really, really vital to see if we could find a nest. 26th of April. We head out, almost 7pm, wondering whether the evening might be a good time to find them. It's overcast and cooler than the last few days, and the sky is quiet. In the whole of our walk, we've only heard one curlew, and not from the direction of James's fields. We cross through a gateway, and almost immediately, I see a curlew rise from the grass, a low flight, and then it settles. Instead of keeping my eye on the bird, I keep my eye on the spot from where it lifted, and I try to focus on the pattern of dandelions there. Rob watches the bird, and we both see it lift again and fly away. We walk slowly, carefully, eyes down, to the small constellation of dandelions, and then we look even more closely. I'm not actually sure if I'm looking for a bird sitting or a nest left open, in which case I would expect to see a single egg. I'm not even sure what colour the eggs would be or how large. I keep looking, but I settle into the expectation of finding nothing. Then. I hear Rob let out a quick, ah, and he says, look, he's found a nest. Four perfect eggs in a scrape in the grass. Utterly beautiful. We shared an image of the eggs on Twitter and it got a lot of interest. A lot of people have been following our story. And within a couple of days, we had another email out of the blue from Amy Hopley, who's the wildlife officer for Morecambe Bay Partnership and happened to have a spare electric fence. So a couple of days later, she turned up with Tonya Armour, who works for Morecambe Bay Butterfly Conservation Facilitation Fund and is working with her on curlews. 
and James and we went into the field to put the fence up around the nest. This is to protect it from ground predators like foxes and badgers. Then we left James to do the watching because he was up there every day to check his cows and Rob and I crossed our fingers. We'd also by then become involved in a local WhatsApp group with people watching curlews across the south of the county. Some really exciting stories, some hopes, some disappointments. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride. On May the 12th, I got a phone call from James and there was a pause after he said hello. And he said, you're not gonna want to hear what I've got to say. Of course, I, I knew what it was and I was devastated. All four eggs had disappeared from the nest. We think that it would have been crows or possibly gulls that took them. No trace of them at all. There was the brown grass where the nest was, where the birds had been sitting, and then this tiny shred of shell, and that was it, and nothing. Hope gone. But we're not the type of people to give up hope very easily. Um, we knew that there were several other pairs in the neighbourhood that we hadn't been tracking so closely. And skip forward a couple of weeks, I was out walking on the local road. I heard a noise of a curlew. I knew it was a curlew, but didn't kind of recognise the call. So I peered over the wall with a pair of binoculars and saw an adult bird on the wall drop down carefully into a field behind it, into the long grass. Uh, and I observed it for a few minutes walking around in the grass, uh, making some low calls. And then through the uh, binoculars, I was overjoyed really is the best way of describing it, to see three young chicks following the adult bird through the long grass. Three young chicks right on our doorstep, two fields away from where we live. And that was a, a next stage for us in terms of the, the roller coaster ride of observing curlews. It was, it was amazing. So now we knew that there were chicks right on our doorstep, things changed a little bit. Our local neighbourhood watch became all about curlews and there were texts flying around and people knocking on each other's doors saying, I've seen them, I've seen them, these little fluffy chicks. We could watch them out of our bedroom window so they didn't even know we were watching. We also uh, got in touch with the farmer on whose field these chicks were wandering around and he became involved as well watching out for them. And we knew then when the grass was going to be cut and how we could perhaps try and encourage the birds to leave the field or just hope. In the end, it came down to hope. It rained a lot. Every day, the birds got stronger. They were able to walk between fields and we saw how much distance they could cover. After the grass was cut, the whole neighborhood held their breath. And then we saw the chicks again. Two chicks, three chicks, depending on who saw them, getting bigger on their really long legs and looking really strong, looking really strong. It seems these chicks have really good parents. We heard the alarm call of the adult birds again and again, and we often saw them chasing crows and buzzards. They really kept an eye out for their family. In the middle of June, we knew that the last two fields nearby to us were due to be cut, and we wanted to make sure that the birds were well away from danger. So we, we went out after sun had set, wandered around the fields, uh, and this is a short recording of Harriet watching the adult bird. June the 18th, it's after 10 o'clock and we disturbed a curlew down the field um, at the back of our houses, below saddle houses. It was all quiet and then we heard the noise. It sat on the wall for a bit. Now we've got closer, it's swooped down. And it's repeatedly calling, just standing in the grass. And it definitely wants me to leave, so I'm gonna go. On July the 6th, in the evening, we watched two birds land in the field behind our house. 
through binoculars, we could see that they were young. They were actually chicks. Chicks that were flying perhaps for the first time. Chicks that still had their down underneath their wings. And they were practicing feeding. It was, it was amazing to think that we'd been watching these birds over that length of time, over these months. And now here they were, getting to the stage where they could fly, getting to the stage where they were away from trouble. This was a moment of magic. This was what we've been waiting for all this time. This is what success looked like. Over the last few months, we've been obsessively drawn into our local and to the world of these curlews. And the COVID lockdown has actually allowed us to do that. But our small success actually is tiny and our micro view of what's happening here is very symbolic of the wider picture of the fragility of these birds and many other species. For curlews, the species is on a knife edge, but we're not going to give up hope. And we've discovered now the strength of the local network, people who really, really want to help. And at a policy level, people are talking about how changes can be made to protect these curlews. Where we live, the fields used to be alive with the sound of corn crakes and places are named after them. They've gone completely and we do not want the curlews to go the same way. Surely to be good ancestors, we want our grandchildren to be able to hear the haunting sounds of these birds. And these birds don't have any power to change their world, except by tugging at the heartstrings of people who may be able to do something. Thank you for listening to 28 Dales Later. You can find bonus material on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash 28 Dales Later.